carpenter's pencil. Hey, never fails. Praise God. God is good. Amen. All the time. I have a short sermon today. Job, I've got, the Lord was, the Lord wasn't, I would say. My mind was taking me everywhere this morning. <laughs> it had nothing to do with God. It had everything to do with my, with my uh, thoughts. I want to tell you something about that for a minute before I get into my sermon. But Joe, we are going to be sharing from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1, just so you know, and Luke chapter 2, I think it's verse 8. Yep, verse 8. So, starting at verse 8, just to give you a heads up. But I do want to share, this is why I might just shave all my hair off, okay? I'm just going to do this now and get it over with, all right? I don't need a brush. I was going to wear a hat, but it's untamable. <laughs> need a barber, huh? My wife's saying, no way. She says, you're not shaving. No hat. She's saying no hat. See? That's why I wore a hat. I wore a hat. You know, men are supposed to have a covering. It's wild. It's clean. I mean, I took a shower this morning, but, you know, try to comb that. Forget it. There's nothing to comb. All right. Amen. So, anyways, listen. Right there, Joe's got it up on the screen. Check out our church app. Not only can you hear all of our sermons that are on there, and I don't know how far back they go, but they go back quite a ways, but also you can do your tithes and offerings right through the church app, which is pretty neat. And we have people that are listening from all over the place. I don't even remember all of the places, but they're listening. Praise God. God bless them. Amen. Every one of them. So... I was thinking about getting control of your mind. <clears throat> so, you know, the craziest thing with me is every time I start to think about God or have good thoughts, my mind goes to work. It goes to every other thing. I don't know if yours does the same thing. Like when you start to have thoughts of God or wanting to read His Word or when you start, you feel like you're talking with God then all of a sudden your mind will wander off. I want to tell you right now that that is a demonic attack. You need to rebuke that, those thoughts. That happens all the time. And you have to be wise to it, and you have to rebuke it, and you have to say, nope, I'm not going there. And what I try to do is, when that happens, because it happens all the time, I mean on a daily basis, like, like it's almost like I'll be thinking godly thinking, thinking good things, then all of a sudden there will be an interruption that will come into my mind because it doesn't want you to think of good things or godly things, right? So when that happens, it doesn't want you to think of good things or godly things. So when that happens, you need to rebuke that devil and you say, nope, nope, I'm not going there. I'm going to get control of my mind. Let this mind that's in me, that's in Christ Jesus, be in me. Amen? And you got to play... The, got to plead the blood of Jesus over your mind. Just like you got to plead the blood of Jesus over your homes. 
just like they did back in the Israelites' day when they were being led out of Egypt. They put the blood of Jesus over their home as a protection and a covering. You do the same thing. You go out there and you plead the blood. There's power in the blood. Amen? So I just wanted to share that with you because this morning, trying to get this thing put together, my, that was happening to me all the time. And I was like, nope, nope, I got to focus, I got to focus. But my mind kept going like, oh, I, I need to be doing this. Oh, oh, the parking lot's slippery. Oh, I got to put salt down. Oh, I got to, the heater's not working, you know what I mean? So my mind is just going crazy, and I got to get control of it. So my sermon might be a little crazy, but I'm trusting God, amen? That's what we got to do. And I plead the blood over it right now in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. So last week, I was sharing on real encounters with, with God. People have had real encounters with God. <clears throat> and when you know when somebody's had a real encounter with God, because it's a life change. It's a dramatic life change. You know, and you can't, and you can't deny it. You know that it was God that did that. And I shared... Uh, my experience with God years ago, and, you know, God's, God still had our hands upon us, and he's brought us through many things. I mean, all the things that you thought that were going to be, like, too much for you, you've made it through, and that's because of God's covering on you that he has blessed you with. <clears throat> you know, the Bible says, the word in there says, and I'll share it with you, God's favor is upon men and women. It says in the, in the, his favor rests upon men and women. That's us. God's favor, you think about it, God's favor rests upon you. You have God's favor. You just need to walk in that favor and believe that. Amen? Amen. So as we come to this Christmas season that we're in, Sorry, got to put this up a little closer for mom. So as we come to this Christmas season that we're in, <clears throat> I can't help of all the times and think of the times or encounters that Jesus has had on people and what encounter he actually had on this earth when he came. I want to kind of continue that theme. Because when Jesus was born in a manger, things changed dramatically. The world changed. Actually, what's amazing, if you think about this, time changed. Time, Jesus literally changed time. It's amazing. We went from B.C. to A.D. You know, and as Christians, we call B.C. as before Christ, you know. And that's what I call my life that I had before I was saved, like my B.C. life, my old man life. Now I'm living my after-death life when I put my old man to death and I become a new creation in Christ. But we're living in A.D. Christ literally changed time. And we, like I said, we call it before Christ and after death. 
is what it's called. But the actual meaning of A.D. means Eno Domini. I had to look it up because I didn't know. I just assumed after death. But do you know what the word Eno Domini? You know what it means, A.D.? Eno Domini? It's the year of our Lord. Isn't that amazing? Day one, Jesus' birth is actually A.D. 1 or and B.C. 1 because they didn't count zeros. It was the last day, it was the last year of B.C. and it was the first year of A.D. So they didn't count zeros back then. You can look this up. There's a little science for you. They didn't count, they don't count the zeros. So A.D. Anino, Anino, and now, and yeah, it's like that. A N N O D O M I N I, Domini, or the year of our Lord. Now, isn't that amazing that the very first day, the very first year of Christ's birth on this earth was actually called the year of our Lord? The year of our Lord. Now, God, we know God had a plan throughout all creation from the very beginning to, to redeem and save mankind from the fall in the garden. And it was planned well before then because it's been prophesied, like Julie shared with it up there about the prophet Isaiah who prophesied 700 years before Christ's birth. But every time I think of this and I think of the encounter, you know, that's a real encounter that Jesus had. God himself came down was born to a virgin as a humble little child, as harmless as you can imagine, you know, and as helpless. I mean, he needed us as a child to be raised. He needed a father and a mother on earth to raise God, to raise the Son of God himself. That real encounter changed all time, changed everything. That was a real encounter with Jesus coming to earth. And it amazes me. And I can't help but think of, you know, when I'm thinking of Christmas time, I love the story of the Magi. I love the story of the shepherds that we're gonna, I'm going to read to you in, in Matthew chapter 2 and in Luke chapter 2. But what's amazing to me is in the birth of Jesus, it's like the Israelites had the word, Right? They had the prophets, they had the prophecies of all the prophets prophesying of this coming Messiah who's going to be the Savior of the world. Right? But yet none of them could discern the times. None of them discerned the times of those days. At least that's not, at least the Bible says that none of them did except for the prophets that came before. But of the leaders, the religious leaders of that day, and the kings and the leaders of that day, none of them discerned the times of the coming Messiah. Which makes me think of the times that we're in right now. You know, are we discerning the times? Because when Jesus was born, not, nobody, none of the religious leaders who had all the prophecies, who studied them, could discern the times. So I'm, I'm saying that as a thought that was going through my mind this morning is 
we need to be discerning of the times that we're living in. You know, we're living in the end days, right? But like what baffles me is that these people were living in the days when Jesus was coming to earth, but yet not one of them discerned the times. Not one of them, not one of their Bible scholars in Israel discerned their times. At least it's recorded that we know of from the word. But what is amazing to me is that three magi who weren't even Israelites. You know, the magi were called wise men. Well, magi are also could be kings and could be priests. Three magi discerned the times. They actually saw and recognized the star in the sky. And when they came to King Herod, Herod was like, Shocked. He was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? What king? Of, I'm the king of the Jews. I'm the king of the Israelites. What king has been born that I don't know of? You know, that, I'm sure Herod had a meeting with all of his, with the Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders of that time. And he did, and that's why he sent all of his, he sent an army to Bethlehem. But in, in the, but the Magi, they discern the times. It says here in Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read it. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one? Who, is, who has been born king of the Jews. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. They were looking. They knew the prophecies. They've heard of the prophecies and they were looking. We need to be looking. We know the prophecies. We have it right here in front of us. We have God's word right here in front of us. We too need to be looking. We, need, we too need to be aware or else I'm afraid we'll be caught off guard. And the Bible tells us about that, you know, that many are, many are just going to be caught off guard. The day Jesus will come like a thief in the night. We need to be looking. We need to be watching. I mean, the signs are all around us, you know, of Jesus' second return. It says that King Herod, when he heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them, Where? Where's the Christ? Where the Christ was to be born? And in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet was written, has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. When Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. 
As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and they saw the star that had, they had seen in the east. And it went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, of myrrh. When I think of the Christmas season, I think of the journey. I think of the excitement of the three wise men, or the magi, going and finding the Christ, the Savior of the world. Think about that. You know, that is, to me, it's an epic journey. (laughs) And you know, what was the movie that we watched with the three wise men when they came? The Nativity. And I don't know if you've seen it, but if you haven't seen the Nativity, you should watch the Nativity. I mean, I, I was in tears watching the Nativity. When I, when I saw the three wise men, when they presented their gifts and how they portrayed it, it was amazing. It was powerful. And, and they did it with such emotion. It was just a great movie to watch. It's a great movie to watch with your family. Because when you, you, you think about that and you think of how it, it affected them. You know, when they saw the Christ child born, they, when they saw Jesus, the creation of all, the creator of all creation, right there, wrapped up in a blanket, in his mother's arms and Mary's arms, you know, the, the joy, the overwhelming joy that just poured out of them was incredible. And I guarantee you, their lives were changed forever. I know, I know when the prophet and the prophetess, when they saw Jesus come to the temple for the first time, Simeon, and it was Anna, Simeon and Anna, who'd been praying and praying, and God promised Simeon that he wouldn't die until he saw the Savior. Well, when Simeon, when, when, when Joseph and Mary presented Jesus to the temple, and Simeon was there, and he said, now I can die, because I've seen the Savior. And Anna, who's been praying and praying and praying for countless years at the temple, both of them, the encounter they had with Jesus had to be overwhelming. Had to be overwhelming, knowing that right there was the Savior of the world. God's Son. A real encounter with Jesus. I guarantee you it changed their life. Changed their lives forever. Not only that, but it's been penned in a book that's been around for 6,000 years. Their accounts of Jesus their accounts of their life has been immortalized through the Bible. Their stories are told 
throughout this nation and across the world. Across the world. He says that every part, and this is another prophecy that was fulfilled. It says before the end will come, this word will be preached across the whole world. Well, I believe that was just accomplished not too long ago. When God's word was preached to the last known tribe that did not have the word of God. That they found. And actually, I believe the guy who preached it was actually killed by them. A missionary who gave his life to get the gospel out. That is a prophecy that was fulfilled. That's a huge prophetic update to this, to the coming of Christ. That was something that had to be done. That God's word would be preached throughout the whole world. That the whole world will have a chance to turn to Christ. Not one be left behind. That's what God's will is. Not for one to be lost, not for one to be left. So I think of the Magi. I think of the epic journey they had. I think of the excitement that kept them going. I think of the emotions that went through the whole thing, the whole process of seeing baby Jesus there in a major king of the Jews, king of the world. I think of the shepherds who were out in the fields watching their flocks. Think about this. If you were a shepherd, you're out in the field and you're watching over your sheep, your flock. All of a sudden, the angel appears to you. And it says that the angel shines so bright that when the shepherds are there, they all shine. And it made me think of who was that angel? Where the glory of God You know, you think about this. This is what happens when you get into the presence of God. You get the glory of God upon you. And it shines on you. Look to what happened with Moses, correct? When Moses was up on the mountain, he got in the presence of God. And the glory of God shined upon him. And because he was in the presence of God so many times, because he went up to the mountain so many times to speak with God, that Moses actually shined with the glory of God on him. So much that it scared the Israelites. And they told Moses, you know, can you please put a veil over your face because, you know, you're glowing with the glory of God. It's kind of freaky to me. But that's what happens when you get into the presence of God. And it makes me think of my own life and my own, you know, our lives. When we get into the presence of God, when we stay in that presence of God and we get the glory of God on us, where it just stays on us like Moses, this angel, who knows how long this angel's been in the presence of God? I'm sure it was an archangel, a messenger angel, was in the presence of God, had the glory of God all around him for being in the presence of God for so long. When he came down and he was the first one to meet the shepherds, and he tells the It says here in Luke chapter 2, it says that, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. 
And the glory of the Lord shone around them. That means the glory shone around, not just the angel, but around all the shepherds that were there. And it says they were terrified. I would be pretty terrified too if all of a sudden an angel appeared and the glory of God appeared with that angel. Think about that. You know, many times, you know, when people have encounters of angels, it's not always, it's pretty terrifying. Because it's something that we don't normally see in our own, in our, with our own eyes. It doesn't normally happen all the time. Not that it can't happen. I mean, sure that it could happen if we were to put our, all our heart, soul, mind, and body and strength into seeking God. You know, who knows what can happen then? But it, when, I, when I read that, I was, I was thinking, man, that must have been some experience with an angel appearing and the glory of God showing all around them. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly... A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men, on whom his favor rests. What did I tell you earlier? God's favor rests upon us. His favor rests upon us. We have God's favor resting upon us. If we walk in what God has called us to walk in, if we walk in a relationship with Him. Amen? I don't know about you, but I want God's favor to rest upon me. You know? When the angels had left them, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. An encounter again with Jesus. An encounter again with the angels from heaven that changed their lives forever. I guarantee you, every one of those shepherds never lost, wrote that down. They didn't want to forget that experience. And I guarantee you, every one of those shepherds told stories to their children and their children's children. That, that was a story that would have been passed down forever. And not only that, it's a story that's in the Bible that's been immortalized forever so that we can remember, we can recount of all the things that happened. Can you imagine being outside in the dark. I mean, I'm out there looking at the stars 
a lot when I'm outside, I look up, and my grandson loves to look at the stars. We all do, and actually, one day he was down with his telescope, and we actually saw the rings of Saturn through his telescope, which is pretty cool. But, and didn't we see Mars, too? Was it Mars or Jupiter? Jupiter. Showed me Jupiter, too, through his telescope. But can you imagine... We'd be sitting there looking through his telescope, all of a sudden the angel appears, and then the heavens open up, and out come a host of heavenly angels praising and worshiping God. I couldn't imagine that. I mean, I, I try to picture it in my mind, the event that takes place. I try to picture in my mind the event where the skies open up, roll back like a, like a scroll, in the end days, it says that the, the, the skies will roll up like a scroll. But when they roll back, and here is a whole host of heavenly angels, beings, praising and worshiping God. I guarantee you that not one of us here probably would be able to stand. <laughs> we would probably fall to our face. I mean, I can't guarantee you what, what you would do, but I know for myself, I would probably fall to my face probably ask God for forgiveness, repentance would be the first thing on my mind. Forgive me because I'm a sinner and thank God I'm saved by grace. But, yeah. So, you know, those things really happen. Those are real encounters with Christ. Real encounters with a God who loves you, who sent His Son for you. To die on a cross so that we could be with him forever. The whole, the whole gospel is crazy. It's called crazy love. <laughs> crazy love that God has for us. That he would send his son to be a sacrifice. But I think of these things when I think of Christmas. And then I think of my family when we all gather together around in the morning. When we read the Christmas story about the birth of Jesus. And then all the kids are opening up their presents while we're eating Joe and Lizzie's uh, breakfast pizza. And enjoying fellowship, <laughs> which we look forward to every year. And then we all gather back to, at our house later that night to celebrate. It's just a wonderful time of year. And we should all be glad. We should all rejoice. We should all be thankful of what Jesus has done for us. We should all be thankful. We should all um, take time to enjoy this, this last week before Christmas. Don't let the enemy rush into your mind and take your minds captive. Try to spend some time. Try to, try to seek God. Try to spend some time thanking God and praising God. Like my wife said, put that song on Wonderful. It's a beautiful song. Spend some time watching the Nativity. Amen? Because this is the time of season that we should be the most joyful and thankful. Amen? Amen. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this day. 
I praise you, Lord God. I didn't even use any of my notes. <laughs> Father, but I thank you and I praise you, Lord, for what you're doing. I praise you for all that you've done for us and the way you've made. I thank you for each person here. Lord, I pray that we would all have a real encounter with you, Lord Jesus, that you would, Lord God, touch us and bless us. I pray that we would spend some time praising you and worshiping you and being thankful. Thankfulness goes a long way, Lord God, and I just thank you, Lord, for each person here. I pray that you would bless them abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.